the uh, news, uh, the 10 o'clock news in California, or 11 o'clock I guess it is out there, ran a, a part, an excerpt of a speech made by a politician who was running for a political office in California. It was an unusual, it was an unusual thing. Now we've just gotten all of the, gotten over all the political speeches, but this was kind of unusual. He had come to this banquet to make uh, a speech, a fundraising banquet, and he was late. In fact, he, he got there just about time to speak, and it was obvious that he was uh, nervous and unsettled and he got up to, to make his speech, and this is what he said. He said, I'm sure that this is going to cost me some votes, but the reason I'm late tonight is because I was stopped by a UFO. He said, my wife and I were driving down the Los Angeles freeway, and this uh, unidentified flying object came down and stopped our car, and he began to describe the details of these creatures from outer space getting him on this, on this uh, vehicle. And there was a kind of a stir that went through the audience, as kind of there is right now. And his most loyal supporters kind of threw back their head as though to say, oh no, this campaign has just gone down the drain. And uh, sure enough, he did not get elected. On first reading, things super, supernatural are always denied. If we can't explain it or understand it or prove it, most of the time we deny it. I have just read this tonight something supernatural that happened in Jerusalem. There were a lot of things happening in Jerusalem that were beyond human explanation. This is the greatest for a supernatural birth began in Jerusalem, the supernatural birth of the church. And the New Testament Christian was hard-pressed to explain it later. As a matter of fact, I challenge you to find anywhere in the New Testament that any New Testament writer talks about Pentecost. Except in two places, Paul just refers to it as the event of Pentecost. It was something so supernatural that it was un, it was, they were unable to explain it. They were hard-pressed to tell what happened later. Because what they heard and what they saw and what they said was a supernatural event that has never been reproduced. Now there are some background matters to the supernatural birth of the church that need to be uh, noted first. It was an event that was predicted by the Old Testament prophet and by Jesus. As a matter of fact, Joel said, In the last days I will pour forth of my Spirit upon all mankind, and your daughters and your sons shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. It was the fulfillment of an Old Testament word. It was the link to that Old Testament prophecy fulfilled. It was predicted by Jesus. He said things like this. 
and the Spirit of truth shall abide with you and shall be in you. And what he meant was that as they lived their life on the earth prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they experienced the Holy Spirit externally. He came upon them, but not to stay. He manifested Himself in power upon their lives, but not to, to abide in them. Now He's saying, the Holy Spirit will come to take up residency in your life. And He's coming back, and He's coming to stay. The other Jesus is coming to abide in your life. And you'll begin to see as Jesus saw, and you'll begin to experience as Jesus living His life out in you, oh, that that would grip us tonight, that the other Jesus has come in supernatural way to live in our life, predicted by Jesus Himself. The second thing is that He's saying that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have supernatural power. It will be a power that is not of yourself, it will be supernatural. It will be God's power. It would happen at the day of Pentecost. The word means 50. And it is a name that refers to an event. For in the, in the Hebrew economy, 50 days after the gathering of the first fruits, they had the celebration of the harvest, which was Pentecost. And so when the grain began to turn in the head, they would gather the first fruits and bring them in. Fifty days after that, they would celebrate the harvest. It was much like our Thanksgiving. It was a time of joy and festivity and celebration, acknowledging the harvest. Jesus is the first fruits of them that sleep, the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead. Now, if that scared you as bad as it did me, we ought to all be awake. You know what happened there? Okay, here we go. Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept. And he was raised from the dead and came to dwell there for 40 days and taught his disciples. And 10 days after his ascension, 40 days on earth, then he ascended to the Father. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came upon the church in supernatural power. It was a day to celebrate the harvesting of the plan and will of God. Third, the Scripture says in verse 1 that they were all with one accord in one place. Vance Havner says, with tongue in cheek, that is, the, uh, that is enough evidence for me that the, whole, that, the, uh, Pente that the experience of Pentecost will never be reproduced because the, the church will never ever be again all together in one accord. Now, I don't know whether he really meant that or not. I think he was saying that in, 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 in jest, but I do know this, that if the, if the Holy Spirit comes in mighty power upon a church, to do supernatural things, miraculous things, things beyond human explanation. It will be in the church where there is unity and oneness of spirit. It will not happen apart from that, as I understand it. 
Now, I know that's a big statement. God can do anything He wants to. But historically and theologically and exegetically, it seems to me that the Holy Spirit works, manifests Himself in power in the churches where there is oneness of spirit and unity. Now, we can... uh, We can talk about revival and we can pray for the supernatural evidence of God. Let's not kid ourselves. If there is anything in our life that is causing disunity and lack of oneness and fellowship, it will just not happen. I heard a preacher tell him about one time about the revival that came to his town, to his church, just one of those phenomenal things. And he said, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't understand it, couldn't explain it for a long time. He said, I got to thinking about it. when it began. It began on a Sunday morning when one man on this side of the church came down the aisle and a man on this side of the church came down the aisle and these two men represented the faction that existed in that church and they met at the altar and they met before the Lord and they poured out their heart to each other and found forgiveness and oneness. Now the scripture says that when when they were all together in one place, in one accord, the Holy Spirit came in a supernatural way to give birth to the church. Now there were some evidences of His coming. You'll not see this in the outline. Just let let me remind you of them. First, there was an audible evidence. It was... There was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I guess it must have sounded like a 747 taking off. There was a roar, a mighty wind, the roar of a mighty wind. Now the curtains didn't didn't fly out on the room where they were sitting and their clothing didn't flop in the... There was no draft or there was no... um, Uh, movement as such there was just the sound as of a mighty rushing wind and when the people in the town heard it they came running to see what it was and there was a visible evidence of the coming of the Holy Spirit in power they saw the manifestation of a fire like substance evidently there was no heat and the fire didn't consume anything It was like cloven tongues of fire and the fire began to distribute itself and sat upon the people on their heads or tongues or hands. We do not know. It was in the shape of tongues, this fire. I think it meant two things. I think it was as if God were saying, here is my message now. I want you to sound it out into the world. As though God were saying, This is the main purpose of the church, to sound out the message, the cloven tongues of fire. This is the main business of the church, to sound the message out. The main business of the church is not to become a political power, nor is the main business of the church to be a healing institution. The main business of the church is to sound out the Word of God to all men. And I think the second thing that cloven tongues of fire might indicate is that God is saying in essence that the, that the church is going to be a warm institution, a warm body of believers, not the cold formalism of a dead religion. And there was an oral evidence. They, they said something with other tongues, the Scripture says. The word is heteros. 
uh, heterosexual means sex of an opposite, they begin to say with their tongues other tongues. That is to say, they spoke with their tongue the language of the people present. It would be like my beginning to speak in Spanish, and I don't know maybe a word or two of Spanish. I know tortilla, and that's about it. It would be like suddenly I begin to speak in French, in, 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 in French. They begin to speak in the language of the people present, and they understood it. But verse 8 says, they begin to speak in the dialect of the people's language. Now, we have uh, one common language here tonight. We have English language, but we certainly don't have the same dialects. There's one broad language, but there are many dialects of that language. For example, you couldn't tell that I'm from Texas, could you? I, you know, I used to preach in the Northwest, and I would just say about one sentence, and they'd know that I was from Texas, that, you know, that broke. Go down south. I used to have some folk in my church in, in North Fort Worth who were from Atlanta, and they, and they were just, they talked so, they were so cute, and they would talk from, they talked like they were from Atlanta. And I had some from Alabama, and you travel up the East Coast, go to Jersey. You, you listen to uh, Jim Curlin sometimes talk in his diet, the dialect of where he's from. It's hilarious to hear him talk Jersey, you know. It's, uh, it, 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 uh, every time I get around him, I say, say something in Jersey to me, and he'll give me that dialect. Go to Boston. That's, in Boston, they call Nebraska, Nebraska, you know. You've heard uh, uh, John Kennedy talk. Everybody has his dialect. All of a sudden... Here were these men of God and they were speaking, these Galileans, and they were speaking in the language of the people present and they were speaking in their dialect. God is doing a supernatural work to get his message out. It is, though, it is as if God was saying, now I'm going to assist you in overcoming every barrier that would hinder the reception of the gospel so that when you preach it, they'll receive it just like it was coming from their next-door neighbor. What a fantastic thing. Now, there's some responses to this, to this gospel, to this uh, supernatural evidence of the, of the Spirit of God upon the church. Now, now, stay right with me. I want to show you something. What can you, what do you, what can you expect if suddenly God came upon the church, this church, in, supernatural, in a supernatural way? What, what could we look for if that were suddenly to happen? Now, I'm not sure. I used to say I believe Pentecost can be reproduced when, when, when the conditions are the same. I'm not sure that I hold to that any longer. But I am sure that the church can be filled with the Spirit, and that's the whole purpose of Pentecost. And I am sure that the church can manifest the power of God that is supernatural in definition, and we're not doing it. I'm sure of those two things. Now, what happened? What, what could we look for? What we, might we expect if suddenly the Holy Spirit came in a supernatural way upon the church. Number one, we can expect confusion. Look at verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused. They were bewildered. 
There was confusion. They didn't understand it. Um, if you were down in Atlanta and you saw a group of Japanese tourists sitting out in a park and you came up behind them and, and you heard them speaking in English, that would, be, that would be amazing, you know. But if you heard them talking like Atlantans sitting there, that would even be, that would even more, be even more out of place, wouldn't it? They, when they saw this begin to happen, they were confused. They couldn't understand it. It baffled them. And, and I think that's a problem with some people. You know, there's a kind of a peace in the status quo. And we don't want anything coming into the status quo and disturbing it. You know, I'm convinced that some of us would rather just maintain an indifferent status quo than to see anything supernatural begin to take place because we wouldn't be able to explain it or understand it. They were confused. Second thing that you can expect is amazement. Verse 7. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Can I ask you this question? Is there anything happening around here that defies a human explanation? Is there anything happening in your life that can only be defined or explained in terms of God? Is there anything happening that is, that is amazing? I mean, when, when, when people come into the, into the doors of First Baptist Church and, and they gather here, and when they leave, do they go out of here with their mouths open in awe at what they just heard and seen? I don't know if I pray all the time for that or not, but I catch myself pleading with God to do something in our midst that can only be defined in terms of God. Most of what we do has a human explanation. A friend of mine was telling about he went into Neiman Marcus and he was kind of browsing around and he saw this beautiful uh, lace handkerchief there on the counter, handmade. And he said he was holding it and looking at it, and, and this clerk came up, and she was real, really an elegant-looking young lady, just a beautiful young lady. And he said, I, I, I said to her, my, that's a beautiful handkerchief. And she said, yeah, and it's hand-did. <laughs> yeah, it's hand-did. He said, you know, I thought... Man, that sure seems out of place here at Neiman Marcus. You know, it can did. Sometimes I'd like to come in, into the church and just want to say, my word, something happening there that sure seems out of place with the ordinary church. It can only be defined in terms of God. What else can you expect? Number three. You can expect curiosity, verse 8. And how is it, they said, that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? They were curious. How is this, how is this happening? Uh, I've noticed that 
when, when a church catches the spirit of, 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 of Pentecost, how, whatever that is, whenever that church begins to manifest that supernatural evidence, whatever that is, people are curious to find out what's going on. Um, I, I've noticed, um, I was telling Lee this morning, you know, there, I've seen more people sitting out in these in this audience on Sunday morning the last two months that, that I, I see them in town I know their faces I don't know their names I see them in Lions Club I ought to know everybody in there but I really don't and I see them in businesses downtown and, and, I, and I, I know those people I see them in the papers they're, they're prominent people in, in Durant but, and, and, and I, I meet them at the door and it, you know first time I see them go by as I stand by there and leave out you know, and, 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 and I, I suppose that some of these people, are, are, are they curious about what's happening here at First Baptist? You know, um, somebody was saying the other day that, you know, uh, all you have to do is just start a fire. If the church catches on fire, people just come watch it burn, you know. If, if something is happening that's supernatural, let me tell you, people are going to come in, out of sheer curiosity, if nothing else, to see that which they had never seen before. I want that to happen. Verse 11, you'll find a fourth thing. You'll, you could expect worship. Look at verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speak, now underline that, speaking of the mighty... God, God is doing something. You can find worship. There's another thing you find every time something happens supernatural, found in verse 13. But others were mocking and saying, they're all full of sweet wine. So you find denial. Clark Kennock has a, has a marvelous little parable about how people deny the supernatural work of God. Tells about the man who thought he was dead. He knew he was dead, you know. And his, his wife and his children were trying to convince him, and he was, no, you're not dead. Yeah, I'm dead. I'm dead. You think I'm alive. And, and so they took him to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist hit upon this idea. He, he made him study all of the, the characteristics of dead people. He sent him down to the morgue and, 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 and made him go down to, to, the, uh, to the man who performed the autopsy and that is what it meant to die. And he wanted, he wanted him to come to this conclusion. Dead men don't bleed. And so, and so Kenoch in this little parable of denial said, the man came back to the psychiatrist and said, I'm convinced dead men don't bleed. At that time, he jammed a needle in his arm and blood began to pour. And the man grabbed his arm and cried, Good night, dead men do bleed. And Clark Pinnock said, Listen to this, Clark Pinnock said, Some men will deny God when God is in their midst. It's true. We can share tonight how God has healed. And there'll be some of you who will walk out of here and say, that really didn't happen. 
they just got well. And there'll be some of us, some of you tonight, we'll we, we share testimony that the woman died in Pennsylvania and left that money to this church. And it was really God giving back what we had invested in his ministry. Some of you would walk out and say, that's not really the way it was. It just coincidence that woman died left that money. Some people will deny God while God is in their midst. Now, what are the applications? There are two. Number one, when God does a work, when God does a work, no one can duplicate it or ignore it. I want you to write that down. I, I, I really want you to take that home with you. When God does a work, no one can duplicate it or ignore it. Now, we'd like to duplicate it. We'd like to get you know, the Broadman stamp on it. And uh, Southern Baptist Convention seal, you know, and put it on there and, and, uh, and program it. We'd like to do that. You can't duplicate it. I'm here to tell you, you and I cannot do what God can do. We can't do it. We can't even duplicate it. And we can't ignore it. The saddest indictment of any church is for the city to ignore the church. The saddest indictment for any church is that the people don't even know the church is down there and just ignore it. Second application. When the Spirit of God gives power, no one can deny or explain the change. Now you, you said, well, you just said people have denied it. Well, you really can't deny it. I mean, you can't do it. You really can't deny it. And you cannot explain the change. Now, when Simon Peter experienced that marvelous transformation of his life, and he at one time was the coward denying the Lord, and all of a sudden he began to preach at Pentecost to the very people who crucified him. You just can't deny that. Now, you can say that it will not happen now, but you can't say it didn't happen then. And, and here was the Apostle Paul, and he was persecuting the church, and all of a sudden, because of an arresting experience on a road one day, he began to bear the cross on his back across Asia, suffer all kinds of suffering, persecution. Now, you can say that will not happen now, but to say it didn't happen then is to fly in the face of that. And you can say tonight that God does not, cannot change human nature, that that person who lives down the street from you, who is a derelict or whatever his problem is, you can say that God cannot change that man. He's beyond hope. You might say that. But if you say it hasn't happened, you're denying the evidence that demands an acceptance. Peter McLeod said he, when he was working in Scotland in the mines before he came to America, 
there was a guy working in the mines with him, and his his language was horrible. I mean, he was filthy mouth. He was he was a vile man. And he went to the Salvation Army uh, revival meeting and got saved. And he came back to the mines where he was working, and he began to witness to his friends, and they. Oh, you know, he's got religion. They begin to laugh at him, make fun of him. They begin to taunt him, try to get him to show that he, you know, lose his temper again, curse. One day, a man heated red hot uh, uh, coal in the furnace in the mine and got it in some tongs. And the man's back was turned, and he he called his name. And when he turned around, he threw that coal at him and said, "Quick!" And he just was reflex. He caught that red hot coal in his hand. And when he threw it down, he began to he cursed, just like you know, he just colored the sky again. And they all started laughing and said, See there, we told you so. And they started making fun of him. And he fell out on his knees in that mine and he began to cry out to God, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. I just in the reflex of this moment use the language that I've always used. I want you to forgive me. I want to be a witness to these men. When he finished the prayer, those men stood in the evidence of God's grace. Said Peter and Cloud, you may say that that'll not happen where you are. But to say it didn't happen where I was is to fly in the face of facts. Now, folks, when God does a work, you can't explain it change. You just have to say, to God be the glory. Let's bow ahead. We'll be dismissed with this prayer. Heavenly Father, it is my prayer tonight that you do a work in our midst that is supernatural and help us to anticipate and expect the miraculous and to be satisfied in our heart with nothing short, nothing less. Because I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.